I'm going to read it. Before I read this, the rest of the scripture, I want to read this quote, which kind of ties in with communion, but also kind of bridges it to what we're going to, I'm going to talk about for just a few minutes here. I want us to talk about, we're going to talk about grace today. We're going to talk about the grace of God. This is a quote from a lady named Mary Ann Schimmelpinnick. Okay. She was a Moravian. So in other words, she was at Hernhut. You know, she was a part of the Moravians, the Hernhut Revival. Uh, 100 straight years of prayer, 24-7 prayer. So that's where she came from. This is a book called Words Old and New. It's a bunch of quotes from people throughout history, just believers and different people. And I don't know anything else about her other than that's who she was in, the, in, in this book. But I can tell you that the 11 quotes she has, I knew she knew, knows Jesus. <laughs> so one, one thing, when you read someone else's writing and you're like going, whoa, that's kind of deep. Like she had a close relationship with Jesus. That's all I know. But listen to what she says about grace and the blood of Jesus. And just look to the blood of Jesus for pardoning grace. To the high priesthood of Jesus for sustaining grace. To the glory of Jesus for animating and strengthening grace. Christ imparts his fullness not at once but in detail. He imparts life at once in a sense of pardon but builds up into his likeness by bringing home the details of his life and character. That's pretty good. It's pretty deep too. I love that. He imparts life at once in a sense of pardon, but builds up into his likeness by bringing home the details of his life and character. That's, what, that's really what we need. We get, the, we get the, the basics are simple, right? But I need the details of the life of Jesus worked out in me each and every day. That's what he's doing. That's the process of sanctification, where God is working in us daily, He is forming us into the image of Jesus. He wants us to look like Him. But He doesn't want us to try harder to do it. He doesn't want us to try to do it on our own effort. He says, no, it's my grace that's going to do that. So we're going to talk about grace today. 1 Corinthians 4, let's read uh, 1, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 4. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the opening of the Word of God to us as we read. It says, I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in Him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ, there's the testimony again, huh, was confirmed in you. Verse 7, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He's talking, who is he writing to here? A church, a group of people, a a bunch bunch of Christians, believers, the body of Christ in Corinth. So he's saying, you don't lack any spiritual gift. Did you know, Living Way Foursquare Church, we don't lack any spiritual gift. We might not use them, but we don't lack them. And I'm not saying we're not using them. I'm just saying if we look around and say, oh, where's where's that gift? It's here. It's here. 
just needs to be activated sometimes. Sometimes just needs the boldness. Sometimes just needs the, the obedience, whatever it may be. Therefore, do not, you do not lack any spiritual gift. In other words, God's already given you what you need. That's the message of grace right there. I've given you what you need. He will keep you strong to the end. You like that one? That's a good promise. That's a promise of God. He will keep you strong to the end. Or He will sustain you. Do you need that sustaining strength? Sustaining grace. So that you will be blameless or guiltless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? You don't get blamed for the stuff you should get blamed for? That's pretty good news, right? That's part of the message of the cross. You don't get blamed. It ain't no longer your fault. God, verse 9, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. So I want, I'm just starting there to, to kick off talking about grace. It's, he says right away, I'm thanking God for the grace that's given you. And here, here's the deal. Paul understood grace so much, he, 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 he got a grasp on it. Because who are the Corinthians? What's going on in the Corinthian church? Well, let me tell you. They're getting crazy. They're divided. They're fighting. I mean, the first whole section of this book, right after this, he goes into, okay, now that I've thanked God for you, and he's being sincere. He's not going, okay, I have to pray for you first before I kill you, okay? <laughs> I mean, there's some people like that in our lives, right? Let me pray for you first before I kill you, okay? <laughs> but he's, he understood grace. I mean, here Paul is, is dealing with a bunch of people. They've gone off the deep end in some ways. They're fighting. Some of them are, are they're bet, they're like, they have spiritual superiority issues. They're like going, hey, I got baptized by this guy, or I follow Apollos, or I follow this guy. I follow this dude's teaching, and so we, he's got the real thing, and we really know God, and you don't. You know, they had people going off on their spiritual gifts, not going off in a good way. They were going off to get attention to themselves. They weren't speaking in tongues in a beautiful way. They were speaking in tongues to not bring glory to God, but to be, bring glory to themselves. To say, hey, look at me. I got the gift. I got the gift. Yeah. <laughs> so this church had some issues. But here, Paul right away says, I thank God for you. I thank God for you. That's somebody who gets grace. When you can look somebody else in the face who drives you crazy, who backbites, who, who gossips, who does all kinds of bad stuff, but they're a believer and you know it, and you're like, what is wrong with you? And you can sincerely say, God, I thank you for that person. That person gets grace. What is the grace of God? One definition is undeserved favor. You know... In America, we're into, we're into something different than grace. Our whole culture is based upon punishment and receiving what you deserve. Have you ever, have you ever said that about somebody else when you see them ruin their life or whatever? Oh, and they, they just got what they deserve. When you say that, you don't get grace. You don't understand grace. 
Because grace is you get something you don't deserve. And you don't understand mercy because mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So the grace and mercy of Jesus. But in our culture, what happens? If someone says something wrong, what, what do we want to do to them? Stone them, crucify them, plaster their name all over the internet and say, this person did this and you know, whether they're famous or not, they can become famous for a day. We want, we want them to receive something for the wrong thing they did, right? We want them, okay, they said something wrong, they need to be boom. Totally different in the world of the grace of the kingdom of God. It's hard to understand. I, I'm not saying I get it. I'm just preaching to you so I get it too, okay? Because <laughs> I fall in the same trap. And we fall in our cultural trap. Our culture is, look, man, it's a very swift. Now, because of the Internet, because of the way the word spreads, I mean, I could post something on Facebook, and if I want to post something inflammatory, it can get all kinds of comments and stuff. I post something you know, amazing and deep about God, and like two people like it. <laughs> Post something controversial or political or something, you know, out there that could offend somebody or whatever. Boom! All kinds of internet warriors will come out and, you know, the commenting warriors. I can fight. The, the pen is mightier than the sword. The, the phone is mightier than the sword. I can type and get you. <laughs> But what, what, is the, what is the overbearing uh, atmosphere of that culture is that, boom, you, if you do something wrong, I'm going to get you for it. You need to get what you deserve. You need to get what you deserve. But here, grace is not about getting what you deserve. If we take that belief into relationship with Jesus, then when we come to the cross, when we come to the table, we know we don't deserve this. And so we don't receive sometimes because we're... We're stuck in our cultural mindset that says we get what we deserve. And Jesus says, you get what I deserve. Can you imagine that? God says, what does God want to do for his son? What does God want the father want to do for Jesus? It's amazing. I mean, we can grasp just a few things. It's incredible. So Jesus said, God says, now here's what, what grace is. You get what I want to give him. It's undeserved. You don't get it because you did anything. You get it because he did something. But the message of the cross, that's part of what reason is foolishness too. It's because people want somebody to be punished. Somebody was punished. Somebody was punished. So whenever, you know, some people are into self-punishment, right? You beat yourself up because you're not understanding in full the grace of God. You think it depends on you. Anytime you think it depends on you, you stepped out of grace. How do you activate grace? I said this before, and I learned it from somebody else. How does, how does grace become active in my life? Maybe I should say it again, huh? How does it become, how, does, how do we access what is undeserved for us that God has said you get in Jesus? 
Faith. Well, you give it away, too. That's a good way. You give, and it will be given unto you. So there's two ways. <laughs> but it's by faith, right? You have to believe that it's true. You have to trust that the grace of God... If you trust that the grace of God is there for you, then you will live in the grace and the effect of the grace, the power of the grace, the strength of the grace, the sustenance of the grace, the freedom of the grace will be at work in your life. But if you think there's some kind of exception... If you think because you sinned yesterday, you did something yesterday, that you have to make up for that, then you've stepped out of grace because now you're in works. You're now believing that it's up to you to make yourself right with God rather than up to Jesus who's already made you right with God. It's a really hard message to grasp as human beings, is it not? Because we slip into the other mode. We get into it for a while, into the grace mode, and then we slip out and we're like... Oh man, I need a, I need a, I need a. And do we need a? Yeah, but you get to. It's like Greg was saying, the new covenant is different than the old covenant. The old covenant was, here's what you have to do. Now follow it. The new covenant is this. Look what I've done for you. You can enter into it. You get to do this. Anytime you're doing something because you have to do it, you're probably not walking in, in the grace of God. Because God's grace is so amazing. Paul is saying, look, in, the grace has enriched you in every way. What does enrich mean? Make rich. <laughs> You've been enriched inside. You've been enriched. You've been given something in every single way, in every kind of word, in every kind of knowledge. He's saying, look, you, you, have, you have it all. I mean, so Paul gets it. Look, he's, he's talking to a bunch of messed up people. Luckily, I'm not doing that, right? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and go, never mind. Don't do anything to your neighbor. <laughs> I, love, I, I always don't like it when people, preachers do that. So <laughs> turn to your neighbor and <laughs> I'm usually not sitting next to anybody either. So, um, but you've been enriched in every way because of our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. In other words... Paul's saying, look, this, this, there's a confirmation. I know you met the Lord. I'm confused about your actions. <laughs> I'm confused about what's going on, but I know you met Jesus. <laughs> I know you've got him, so the potential is there for you to be who you're supposed to be, for you to walk in grace. So I want to start by thank, I thank God for you. I don't think he was joking around. Paul wasn't, Paul wasn't just saying that because, man, I'm writing the Bible. Hmm, this is going to show up in the Bible. So I better write the right thing because, you know, I can't say what I'm really thinking about these people. <laughs> no, I don't, th I don't think that's what Paul was doing. He was moved by the Spirit. He, was, he understood grace so he could honestly and authentically say, I thank God for you. I thank God that the grace of God is active in your life. And some of it he might have been saying by faith. I'm just trusting that what I know to be true is going to be manifest in your life. You know, there is a, what, I, what I'm not saying is that there's not punishment at some point for those who don't receive Jesus. Just want to make that clear. That's not the grace I'm talking about. Some people want to take punishment out, but the difference between God and us is this. Punishment is God's last resort, whereas many times in our lives, punishment is the first resort.
Punishment is the last resort for God. It's when he's made every effort to turn someone. He's laid Jesus before a person's life over and over again. He's been rejected over and over again. The person says, no, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. And so God says, the only option I have left is punishment. That's why it says God God doesn't desire that any should perish. God's not up there saying, oh, you got what you deserve. You got what you deserve. I told you not to do that. So, <laughs> sayonara, yeah. <laughs> See ya. Man, I don't want, I don't want to be stuck in, in that mindset. I want, I want to be, I want to have the, the mindset, the perspective of grace. And you know what? I, I still get stuck in the perspective of performance. Earning things from God. Do we earn anything from God? Nope. <laughs> For it is by grace you have been saved, what? Through faith. And it is not of you, not of yourselves, but it's the gift of God. Then he says, hey, for we create, we're, you're God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works. Hey, there is good works to do, but it's got to have grace first. If you get to the works before the grace, the works are worthless. But if you have the grace, then the works come a whole lot easier. They're more, a little bit more supernatural. It's not, I won't say it's natural, but I'll say it's supernatural. It's normal. You know, there's, a, there's a show that Ashley and I have begun watching, and my dad told me to watch it. So if it's a sin to watch it, you blame him, okay? <laughs> Actually, you can't, because I just told you not to do that. Um, but the show is called Blue Bloods. Okay, and, and it's a little bit rough. It's probably the roughest show I watch. I think it's rough. Okay, it's rough for me. So, but but we, we got into it. There's a lot of values in it. And there's usually like one line over and over again. There's, only, there's usually one line in every episode where just like, there's just like, bing, someone speaks wisdom. And that's, I just love that about it. Okay, there's stuff that I don't love about it. You understand? But there's, there's, there's just this one line. So there was, this, there was this episode, I think, that illustrates this difference between, you know, punishment and, and, and really it was about justice and revenge. But in the episode, it's, it's center. Okay, let me give you a brief synopsis of the show. It's a family, and they're all cops, okay? One of them is a police commissioner. One of them is a retired commissioner. One of them is a detective. One of them is the assistant district attorney. And the other one's a patrolman, and the rest are kids or wives or something so it's a family of law enforcement and so the grandfather who is the former police commissioner who's retired is attacked and brutally attacked at the atm and the money's taken from him and so they show the attack of course all of the rest of them are you know wanting to be involved we're going to get that guy we're going to get that guy we're going to get that guy and so the youngest son who's the patrolman ends up actually being in pursuit of catching the guy. And there's a, a point where the guy's hanging off the, you know, he chases away from this guy and he jumps and doesn't make it and he's hanging from the building. And so Jamie has to decide, am I going to pull that guy up or am I just going to let him fall? Because he's been robbing old people and beating them and taking their money, basically.
And so in doing this, he's kind of out of control. He's left his partner. He's disobeyed some essential procedures as a police officer. And he has a decision to make. And he, so he jumps over to the next building, and he's sitting there holding the guy, and he's, he's looking at his face, and he says something like, you know, I should just let you fall or whatever, you know. So he, he's having this, this battle over, do I, do I just let this guy get what he deserves? Because he deserves just to be dropped off the building. But he doesn't. <laughs> he comes through, and he does the right thing, and he pulls the guy up. Later on, he's talking with his dad, and his dad's saying, why, did you, why were you out of control, basically? And he says, I wanted this guy to come to justice. I just wanted him to get justice. And his dad says, you didn't want justice. You wanted revenge. Two different things. God is into justice. God is into justice. Justice is about making things right. Revenge is about payback. Revenge is just payback. It's a picture of grace there. Man, we don't deserve. We don't deserve what we get. We deserve to be dropped off the building. But the grace of God is this, that Jesus came and said, I'm reaching out. I'm going to bring you up from the place you're at. And it says later on in 1 Corinthians at the end, it says, you know, after it goes into the message of the cross and all that stuff that we mentioned earlier during communion, it says this. uh, Let's just start on 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So he's again talking about the contrast and the message of, of grace, the message of the cross compared to the message of the world. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one, no one may boast before him. That's the thing about grace. No one gets to brag, right? No one gets to boast before God and say, oh, I did, all, I did this. I... Nope. Grace levels the playing field where we're all on the same level. It's a high level, but we're all on the same level. It is because of him that you're in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. So he's our wisdom. What does God's wisdom look like? That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. In other words, our righteousness is our standing before God. That God looks at me and he sees Jesus. That's amazing. You know, when other people look at me, they don't see Jesus. When my wife looks at me, sometimes she's like, is Jesus in there? (laughs) Where's Jesus? Jesus, are you playing hide and seek? (laughs) Because I can't find you. But our righteousness, isn't it awesome that God never plays hide and seek with our righteousness? He looks at us and says, I see him right there. I see my son. That's why he can give us grace. That's where he says, there's my son. I see him on you, in you. You're in him. And in your, you're in him and he's in you. And so what's God going to do to his son? I'm going I'm to do what I want to do to my son. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to pour out power and strength and wisdom and blessing and freedom. 
So we're right standing before God. What is the next word? It says holiness. In other words, the process, our sanctification, we are being made into the likeness of Jesus. That's wisdom from God. In other words, he's going to take people that it, no way on their own could they look like Jesus and he's going to do a miracle. And we're going to be able to look back later. Can you imagine somebody who, did, who met you before you got saved? I think we're all believers in here, right? It looks like a, I know all, every single one of you is, is a believer in Jesus that I know of here. If you look around at all these other people, some of them, if you hadn't known them for a while, in other words, if you met them right before they got saved and you met them now, uh-huh. I'm not pointing any fingers here. They look really different. You would be able to realize the miracle of grace in their life. We, don't, we sometimes don't recognize it if we're in relationship with someone and there's just like the slow change because generally that's what happens. Grace is a slow change. It's, the, it's like Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like when you take yeast and you work it into the dough. It eventually spreads to everywhere, but it starts out as a little bit. You just put a little bit of yeast, and it, but it's got to be kneaded in. It's got to be pressed in. It's got to be worked in. And so that's what grace is doing. It's getting worked in. But if someone met me before I met Jesus, well, which is when I was three, <laughs> I can use you an example. I'm a lot different. Let me tell you, if you met me when I was 12 and you met me now, I'm a lot different Thanks to the grace of God. Have you met Tommy and Kim? How many years ago were you saved? 20 plus years ago. <laughs> if you met Tommy and Kim 20 plus years ago, and then you hadn't seen them for 20 plus years, and you met them today, you'd go, what happened to you? You'd know it was a miracle, Right? That's grace. That's holiness. That's sanctification at work. Day by day, minute by minute, God is kneading in the grace. Boom. Boom. It's being worked in you. It doesn't feel good all the time. I'm not saying that. But it's being worked in until the yeast spreads to the whole dough. What's the third thing it says? He's become our righteousness, our holiness, and thirdly, our redemption. You know, redemption means two things. One, it means to, to buy back. In other words, to pay a price for something and ransom them back. But the, the word here most likely means the other meaning of, of redemption, which means deliverance. In the Old Testament, what does it say when you had Passover, which is what the Lord's table is connected to in the New Covenant, was the deliverance of the people of God from Egypt. God redeemed them from slavery. And that's the sense here of redemption is it's our deliverance into freedom. Jesus has become for us our righteousness, our right standing with God, our holiness, the grace that works in me to change me and make me more like him and deliverance. Cuz I need I need all three. I need to have right standing with God. I need to have God working in my life on a continual basis, day by day and hour by hour. But I also need the chains to be broken off. If I don't have that, if I don't have, when I have all three working together, what, what's going on? That's grace. That's the grace of God. 
So I whet your appetite today. How is grace activated? You go back to verse 9. It says, We're called into the fellowship of or with His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, when you hang around with somebody, you become more like them. You start talking like them. You pick up the, you know, you like to talk about the things they like to talk about. You, you get to know them. I mean, when you get married to someone, there's amazing where you start doing things together that you didn't do before, thinking the same way. I mean, there's some ways I know we think differently. Okay, we get that. That's just a man-woman thing, okay? I don't know that God ever delivers you from, He doesn't deliver you from your gender, Okay. That's a whole other message. <laughs> I didn't even mean to say that. Uh, he, he doesn't deliver you from your personality. How about that? <laughs> Some people need to be delivered, I know, okay? There's, so there's some things we're not going to be delivered from. You can't, you can't, so to speak, you can't cast yourself out. You know, in other words, if that's you, you know, you can't get rid of a stronghold or a demon or whatever in your life because, like, at some point, that's just you. That, that's, 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 that's who you are. It might be, need some work. It might be, need some adjustment with the grace of God. The grace of God might need to shape that and form that, but it's not, it's, it's who you are. And so, uh, but it happens with fellowship, with the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. So I encourage you. This is just an encouraging message about grace. Don't you feel like a weight kind of lifts off you? Hey, it's grace. It's grace. We need, we need this message every once in a while. We remind it. Hey, it's not by works. <laughs> it's not by works so that no one can boast. It's not by works. And here's the real challenge. Giving grace to somebody else. When you experience it in your life, though, it's easier to give to someone else. Because you can't give what you don't have. But if you have it, you can give it. And when you give it, you get more. Who wants more grace in their lives? Well, give it to somebody else. That's how you get more in the kingdom. Give and will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's not just talking about money. It's talking about every good thing in the kingdom of God. Give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I want the grace of God pressed down, shaken together, and running over in my life. So I need to continue to allow Him to allow me to give it to somebody else. Got it? We're getting it. <laughs> Get a little bit closer. Let's stand. Let's close. Let's close. This has been a good, good time in His presence. Lord, we just thank You. For your word, we thank you for the teaching of the word of God, that when you, you bring your truth to light, Lord, that we're, we're encouraged, we're strengthened. And so I just pray right now, Lord, whatever area of grace we need, Lord, we just invite the grace of God into our lives. Holy Spirit, you're the one who applies the grace. You're the, you're the spirit of grace and supplication. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to just apply the grace of God. Lord, Lord help our reactions, our perspectives, our, our views of others to have the heart of Paul where we can look past what we see in the present to, to what you have deposited in that person and what you are working in over time. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We can't see the end, but you can. And so we're trusting you, Lord. We trust your perspective. We trust your grace. Lord, let us give it away and give it away and give it away. And we know we're going to get it back. Running over. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. If you want to go to Honduras or have a 1% interest, 1% interest, let's just come on up front here and we'll, we'll talk about it briefly. Lord, it is when I'm dry. You tune into my heart's cry.